This is the Made It in Music Podcast. I'm Seth Mosley, and this is show 128. Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you tools and resources to help you go full-time in music and to stay in. The music business is a roller coaster ride, changing faster than any of us can pay attention to. We all need a competitive edge to stay ahead and to stay successful. What's working, what isn't, and what's coming? That's exactly what this show is all about. Back again with Full Circle Music, the Made It in Music podcast. What is going on? Welcome to the Made It in Music podcast. Today is a brand new era as we begin a brand new season, season two on the show. And along with new eras, that includes a few new changes. One of those changes, of course, is that you're hearing my voice instead of Seth Mosley. So in case we haven't met, hi, I'm Logan Crockett, and I am the VP of Marketing at Full Circle Music, and I'm also in charge of our Full Circle Music Academy, which exists to help as many of you as possible accomplish your goals in the music industry. I've been behind the scenes on this podcast for a while, but we're trying something a little new for season two so that I can get to know you guys, the Full Circle Music community, a little bit better. And one of our commitments this season is to be more intentional about giving you guys practical ways to find professional opportunities in music. So when we have some really exciting resources and announcements coming through the Full Circle Music Academy, I'll be here to make sure you know about them. We have so many other exciting changes in store for you with Season 2, but instead of just telling you all about them right now, how about we just let you hear the episode? Our opening guest for Season 2 is Lizzie Hale. She is the lead singer for the hit rock group Hailstorm, and they are Grammy winners, and they have had multiple albums debut in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 chart. Lizzie's story is full of perseverance, and you'll definitely leave inspired, but the real heart behind this episode is the, quote, formula for the perfect band. Now, we use the term perfect loosely because no band is perfect, but Hailstorm has had a massively successful career with the same band members for 16 years and counting. And for those of you who know anything about typical band dynamics in the music industry, you'll know that that kind of longevity with the same band members is extremely rare. Whether you are in a band yourself, maybe you're a solo artist touring with a band, or you're someone who has to interact with a band at some point in the future, knowing this formula for what actually makes a band work with a career in the long term is hopefully going to help you achieve the same sort of longevity in the music industry for yourself. So, welcome to Season 2, and let's go ahead and get into this episode in the Full Circle Music Studios with Seth Mosley and special guest Lizzie Hale. Seth Mosley here in the studio with Lizzie Hale of the band Hailstorm. Thank you so much for stopping by and being on the podcast no, with us. No, thank you for having me. This is awesome, and what a cool place you have here. Well, y'all are killing it. Uh, so appreciate you making the time. As we always say on our show, this is about giving back. This is about teaching people the things that we've learned from and mistakes and successes, and you guys are certainly having a lot in the success department lately, so... Uh, looking forward to hearing your your story. So. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been crazy. I feel like we've lived a couple different lifetimes and somehow still here. And we have a lot of these moments now where we're just like, guys, like we're still doing it. Like we're still a band, and yeah. it's kind of like a real thing now. You know, it's a, we get to call this a career, and I get to travel the world doing what I love with the people that I love most. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I guess that's the definition of living the dream. Maybe totally. Yes. <laughs> so. I want to dive into that, but I want to rewind all the way back. Uh-oh. What was, <laughs> what was the first moment that music impacted you and that you knew you had to do it? You couldn't, it was like your obsession. I'd have to say it was probably the first day 
that we actually played out as Hailstorm because before then, music was kind of always a part of my family. My dad's a bass player. He was in a couple bands back in the 70s, 80s that didn't work out and ended up, you know, married, had normal life kids. He was a mechanic. and But there was always stuff around. Um, they actually gave the drum kit to me. Um, I ended up having it in my room. My brother and I had it like in a, a joined closet growing up. And so he would sneak through the closet and destroy the drum kit. So finally I was like, <laughs> just have it. So I always tell little bro, like, you're probably playing drums because of me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so like we would play together, little bro and I. Um, but it wasn't until the summer of 97, specifically August 9th, 97, and in uh, at the Schuylkill County Fair in central Pennsylvania, just hay bale tossing. And there's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, there was a talent show that we ended up um, entering ourselves in there. And uh, we ended up winning third place. Well, I say winning third place. We got third you place. Got third place. <laughs> um, but we lost to the tap dancing cowgirl, who was much cuter than we were. Okay. But, um, Makes sense. Makes but sense. it's interesting because what we ended up doing is that we weren't really planning on starting a band on the way to this show. Hmm. Little bro in his 10-year-old wisdom turns to me and he's like, Lizzie, we, we can't just go up there using our names. We can't just be Lizzie and RJ. I'm like, well, why not? He's like, because we got to be a band. We need a band name. And, you know, so this is typical big sister, little brother, you know, in the family van going to the talent show that we enter ourselves in. Um, you know, he's getting a little annoying. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. What do you want to call it? And he's like, well, what about Hailstorm? Like, that'll do. That'll do for today. So we went up there and um, we introduced ourselves as Hailstorm and we play this five minute song. I, I had my Casio keyboard and my brother had his drum kit. A song called "Love Is Power" that, um, that just first song we like wrote together, and I remember finishing the performance and just shaking and turning to little bro and be like, "Do, do you want to do this again? Like maybe mom knows another place we could play." And <laughs> and um, fast forward to that night, like I still remember what we were eating for dinner. We had like this kind of shake and bake chicken yeah. that my mom would always do with this like Italian breadcrumbs and mashed potatoes. And I love I'm telling, it. It's shake and bake. Yeah, dude, remember that? <laughs> um, it's my mom's specialty. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so like we were eating dinner, and and I'm telling mom and dad, I'm like, this was just incredible, and I I I can't wait to do this again. Like maybe like we could go down the street at the coffee house, something. Yeah. And mom's like, sure, like I'll try to find some places for you to play, and. And my little brother with like a mouth full of mashed potatoes, like, oh, I still get to play drums with you, with you right? And I'm like, yeah, man, like we're a band, <laughs> you know? So like it came full circle in one day. And, yeah. and from then on, everything else came second. Like I was the annoying kid in middle school that was like peddling cassette tapes of our songs, <laughs> um, getting sent to the principal's office because you're not supposed to be selling things in the hallway. Um, you know, there's things uh, that you just, you just do. And I started dressing differently and, um, trying to figure out our band logo, you know, like old school on our, you yeah. know, my school notepads and stuff. So Did you used to like write it with whiteout on the backpack. <laughs> Did, was that a thing for you? <laughs> with whiteout on the, I had I had the black backpack with like the like meshing or yeah. whatever. I had and the yeah, same with exact the whiteout. Yeah, <laughs> it would stay for a little while, then it would start flake off. You'd yeah. have to like yes, reapply. Absolutely. Always yeah. reapply. So um, if I'm doing my math right, that was 21 years ago. Yep. Absolutely, That's yeah. Our insane. band can now legally drink in the U.S. It can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, man, that's crazy. So, like, if that was phase one of the band starting, <laughs> yeah. 10-year-old little brother talent show, what was phase two? Like, how long was it before you could actually kind of call it a 
a career? Um, wow, I, I think we're still doing that, uh, honestly. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's it's interesting because you go through a couple different things. So when we started playing out, we would play literally anywhere and everywhere they'd let us play in bowling alleys, coffee houses where you'd have to be quieter than the cappuccino machine, yeah, which is yeah. very difficult for little brother. brother. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that, you know, we would do like youth lock-ins and like anywhere they'd let us play. We started in like the basement of the Crocodile Rock in Allentown, which ended up, we just kept moving up, yeah. you know, just, uh, yeah. you know, to each room until we got to like the stage opening up for Kitty or something like nice. that. And so like, yeah, the hustle was real. We actually flyered, which for oh, wow. kids who don't know what actual flyering is, is before social media where we'd have to go to Kinko's <laughs> and make a bunch of flyers and then beg like pizza places to let us put it up in the thing, put it on um, the in the and- window and all that. Um, had dad in the band for a second. He was our bass player. And then, you know, and a summer goes by and, you know, dad, oh, it's cool. Dad's in the band. Dad's a bass player. It's awesome. And we're like, <laughs> had to sit dad down. We're like, dad, we're going to look for people our own age. And, you know, had a couple different members, you know, rotating in and out. And it was interesting because it was always little bro and I against the world. We, when I say tunnel vision, it was more obsession yeah. and everything was just all about the band, you know, up until, I mean, it still is. It's still like just such a huge part of our lives. But it was hard to find other members that felt that way. Yeah, and I want to hear about that because the first phase of your life, you had had two other members that Mm -hmm. are no longer a part of the band. Maybe talk about that and the struggle to find people who were kind of on the same page as, as you were. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's hard. Um, it's hard when you're kids and I, I suppose it'd probably be even harder when you, you know, are becoming an adult and you have all these tugs of the norm yeah. as we call them, just like, okay, get a real job. What are you doing? And when we were kids, um, one of our first, uh, guitar players was this 16 year old guitar player. And, uh, and he was awesome. He loved slash like he, like we all loved the same kind of music and he was really stoked to be in the band, but, um, his mom, gave me kind of an ultimatum. Like right when we first met, she kind of sat me down. She said, well, if you guys aren't signed within six months, I'm taking him out of the band. And, you know, so if you can imagine me, a 15 year old trying to tell a mother, like, that's not how this works. Like we might not even get signed, you know, that's not the goal. The goal is to keep this thing moving and whatever's next, whatever's next, you know? And we did all sorts of stuff. Like, uh, you know, during that whole period, we had this, uh, we built this rotating upside down drum kit kind of Tommy Lee style, but nice. out of steel parts, old Ford seat belts, an old kit. We bolted it and s- strapped my little brother in, Velcro on his kick drum. <laughs> and then it was like perfectly bent with a tractor axle, right? Yeah. So I grew up on a 20-acre farm. I should, should have mentioned that. Where there's a lot of stuff going, uh, all around there. And so, but the goal for that was how do we get on the front page of the local paper? Yeah. And so it was because we would do weird stuff like that. And thankfully, my parents had this childish, reckless abandon approach to parenting and That's let us amazing. do what oh yeah let's try to figure out how to do that i'm like all right cool so so um, whose idea was that like that was little bro so he's like okay yeah. let's do an upside down spinning around drum kit yeah it went counterclockwise and i ended up writing a song called time man just so that we could have a song that went with something that went counterclockwise <laughs> now it's a very freeing time That's uh, for songwriting but uh but yeah so like you know then we you know we had uh, one uh, guitar player in and and then uh it, it's funny cuz um he ended up lying for us after his 6 months was you know up um yeah. i guess in his mom's eyes he told her that 
he had quit, <laughs> and but he would still do gigs with us. And finally, like she found out, and all okay. hell broke loose. And yeah. and then uh, the we would have like a, a couple friends in and out, like just to help us do gigs because we were we were gigging at this point. We had shows, but then the next two permanent members came in. They were two friends and a guitar player and bass player, and they were in for about a year, year and a half, maybe almost two, and just kind of turned to me one day and like, you know what? This is really hard for not a whole lot of pay, and we could do this in some other cover band and yeah. actually make a living. So we're going to leave. And, I'm, you know, you have to kind of respect that because I thought this was before, you know, it was before we ever got signed. We maybe had some interest, you know, here or there, but we were playing shows. Mm. Um but there was no way that I could guarantee like a timeline for them. And, and it was, it's interesting because now I think about all the stuff that we went through after we really got involved in the industry and yeah. think, oh man, those guys would have never made it, <laughs> you know? So if you can't handle it at that infant stage, it's like you're, yeah, it, it only gets more intense. Yeah. And I really want to hone in on this because you're hitting on something that's not only key for being in a band, just for surviving the industry period mm-hmm. is just having the right people around you. Again, fast forward to 2003 and met Joe. Joe came in, one of the first guitar players that had absolutely no ego whatsoever about what he played. He actually wanted to learn the song that we were jamming to, so I taught him the song. And and he would try to do melody lines and and mimic some of my voice and all of this and, and just make it into, like, parts yeah. um, instead of just noodling the whole time, which is kind of what I was used to with, with guitar <laughs> I was like, yep, that's not a solo part, but, you know, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So he came in and, and, like, we instantly hit it off and started hanging out and then kind of made it official. And um, and then we met Josh around the same time. We, we would all go to see Josh play in his old band. Mm. And we're like, oh, how do we steal him? How do we steal him? And so we basically told him, we're like, okay, so we just need a temporary bass player. Like, what are, what are your gigs like? Basically, yeah. we were like our prowess, you know, because we were doing a lot of shows. Sure. And, and um, we were doing like 250 dates uh, on our own wow. back then. It's like we were gigging all the time. As an independent artist. As an independent artist, yeah. Shows. So wow. we basically told Josh, like, well, how many gigs do you have? You know, he's like, well, <laughs> this and this. I'm like, well, we have more and we can give you beer, you know? Uh, and and so he's like, okay, cool. So like a couple months go by, he's still our temporary bass player. And finally, like we got him really <laughs> wasted one night. We're coming home from like a gig in Maryland. And he turns to me, he's like, he's like, Liz, I'm going to have to call my best friend up and tell him I'm out of his band because like, I really want to be in this band. Would you have me? And I'm like, dude, that was the plan all that along. Was the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but once we locked in with Joe and Josh, like all hell broke loose and we had never had anybody in our band that had this like-minded, just forward movement. You know, we used to call it rock forward. Like, okay, rock forward every day. Like, how are we going to push this, you yeah. know, a little further? And um, and so, yeah, we just, we started doing it, you know? So yeah. it's it was just a, it, it's interesting because I feel like one of our biggest accomplishments as a band is keeping that four piece together. We've been we've been the same four members for 16 years now and haven't killed each other yet, which is yeah. you know not a small feat. <laughs> and, and not only that, it sounds like you guys still all really like each other. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's not a common thing either. I mean, you hear just the typical story, right? Like I just now saw the Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. Movie. Oh yeah. It's like okay, it's the same story every band goes through. It's like egos clash and somebody gets mad and they break up yeah. and the singer walks out. How have you guys managed to kind of keep the thing together, to keep the vibe, keep your friendships over those 16 years? You know, I, I think that in a lot of ways you you have to 
treat it like it's a marriage. So you yeah. like you're I'm I'm married to three boys and one of them is my brother. Yeah, um, it's very weird. <laughs> very complicated. Very complicated situation. situation. But um, <laughs> but no, I mean you have to give that respect. And for me, I think I attest a lot of the underlining to being a family first. Like I, yeah. you know, my brother and I have been doing this 21 years together our vibe kind of bleeds through to everybody else. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the other two might as well be related. But even in our crew, whereas you kind of know how to fight and not throw the whole thing away, yeah. you know, because it's like, okay, we're, we're brother and sister. We're never not going to be brother and sister, no matter what happens, yeah. you know. So same thing with the band. It's like, okay, we're not going to, like, give up after what? Like, you know, right. we've been through all this stuff and that's going to be the thing? You know, come on, it's fine. So, um we have have a lot of respect for each other and there's a lot of things that we'll bring up, you know, um, a lot, you know, where yeah. it's like that whole stop and smell the rose, like, isn't this great, guys? Holy crap. You know, yeah. we're like, we just opened up for Judas Priest in, in Auckland, New Zealand, wow. you know, about a week or so ago. I don't wow. even know what time it is. Yeah. Um, you know, but like those little moments where you're like, guys, we're like still doing it and we're still a band and we're still excited about music and we're still excited about playing live and yeah. seeing how far we can take this thing. And, and, um, and as far as music, musician wise, like, you know, none of us are absolute virtuosos. There's always going to be some better singer than me or a better guitar player, better drummer, but there's something about the four of us coming together, doing what each of us does best mm-hmm. with each other. For me, I think there's that aspect too, where it's like my little brother has always been able to do something that I can't and yeah. likewise. And same thing with the other two. It's like you just recognize, you know, what we were talking about before, those kind of four pillars of hailstorm that hold the whole thing together. And without one, everything would absolutely crumble to the ground. So Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that's a good way to put it. And I think, you know, if we're looking at this from the outside in, like finding the formula for a perfect band sounds like one piece of that is just like open communication, yeah. treating it like a family don't gratitude <laughs> sounds like sounds like I'm hearing a lot about gratitude. Just like oh, yeah. being thankful for like okay, we're we're doing this. I would wager to say that even though you've accomplished all this, there are probably still things that you're like, man, we still want to do this and we want to do this and we want to do this. But the fact that you're stopping to say, okay, look look how far we've come, yeah, that's huge. So if there was anything else that sort of adds up to that formula for a perfect band, what what is it in your guys's case? Like what's what are the four pillars? Like, why that? I mean, it's it's interesting because it's not just the musicianship. You know, it's it it is because it's about the music and we enjoy playing together. You know, but we do things like these little exercises, uh, even in live. So we're a live band. We don't use any tracks, no click, nothing. It's the four of us. We plug in and we play, and we play for better or worse. And I think that keeps it spicy too because we'll have these sections that we know. We know we're going to kind of go off and kind of jam together. It's kind of like a freeform jazz, but in hard rock. Um, But we don't always know how we're going to get out of it. So it's training and listening to each other and riding each other's wave. And I think that that we started doing it just because it was fun and it was nerve wracking because we're like, you know, we could, it could be, you could make a moment with an audience or it could be a total train wreck, but that's up to you for, you know, that's up to us listening to each other and, and having each person take a little time and then seeing if we can build it up together or drop it together. And so those little things have, have made it awesome. But it's also, I don't know, like we, we hang out a lot and we make sure that we take the time, you know, to, to do things together that isn't just on stage. And yeah. um, and it's funny because everyone, I feel like everyone always thinks that like, well, you know, that could never happen with my band. Like, we're just not that lucky. I think that it's work. It's a relationship. Yeah. And what you were saying too about communication, um, that's huge because if, 
if you're living two feet from each other on whatever monstrosity you're touring in, like yeah, we toured yeah. for years in an old RV. We went through so many fan belts, yeah. you know, uh, like alternators. We blew up the engine. We ran that thing into the ground. But even then, it's like there's glory in doing it. I think we say that a lot, you know, where it's like, it, and on, not to go way back in time, but I, I remembered this thing that happened with little bro and I on a way to one of our, you know, first gigs, you know, after Hailstorm, we, we already have the name. Okay. Now we're going to a show and we're stuck in traffic and little bro turns to me. He's like, where do you think all these people are going? And I'm like, I don't know, man, to work school. He's like, yeah, but we're going to a gig. Like, <laughs> you know what? You're right. So like, even though we're stuck in traffic and it's boring or whatever, but same thing with like when the stuff breaks down or we used to do this thing, uh, we ended up writing a song called here's to us about this, yeah. but we used to do this thing when we were making our first record, you know, our A&R guy got fired and we couldn't find a producer to do anything. And, and like all these people around us were getting dropped from the label and we're like, well, it's been a good run guys. So we would go down, we were living in the, the Oakwoods apartments in Burbank and just the four of us in a room together. And there was this small little convenience store, you know, just kind of attached to it. We'd go down and buy like the cheapest bottle of champagne, like $2 champagne. And bring it back up and just cheers to the low times. You have to yeah, like cheers yeah. to like when you break down. Cause that's, that's the stuff that you remember. And that's, that just means that you're working, you know, it's so not about the. So you all were in a the, one bedroom apartment then? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it was, well, there was like a pullout couch, I think, but. That's. Yeah. That in and of itself. A lot of people aren't willing to. Yeah. Put in the, pay their dues. Like and it's, that, so you know, and you have those moments where like, like, dude, are you going to, like, leave your underwear on the floor, like, right. again? Yeah. You have those moments, but that doesn't mean that you throw the whole band away, like, because yeah. that's the stuff that you laugh at later. You're like, right. remember you, like, that was an issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But um, but it's interesting. And then you get into the industry, and they're, you know, we, we're very lucky because we have an awesome team, and we've been on the same label for, I feel like it's been, like, 12 years or something yeah. like that. And, and um uh, same management team, same booking agency, you know, our amazing A&R guy. But, like, there are a lot of people when we were coming up that wouldn't realize that, like, we're close and we talk and they would do the whole divide and conquer thing. Like, yeah. we would, like, hang out with you, like, hey, you know, like, we would talk about it later. Like, hey, yeah, so-and-so said that I could, like, do something without you and or you're not that good and whatever. The hell. Right. And it's like, and the, So we would laugh about it because we're like, well, we, we talk, yeah. you know, and these people are trying to pull this thing that we know we know it's special whatever it is and so you just kind of respect that special thing and you don't let anything get in the way yeah that's awesome so are there any other big challenges that you maybe have had to sort of band together to to overcome in your journey specifically yeah I mean the biggest I think the biggest struggle that we've had to fight for and win for the most part is keeping that same initial flame that same Mm -hmm. fire kind of out in front of you and and convincing everybody around you that that is where to go. Mm. The go toward the excitement. Like when we're creating music and especially in this industry where it's you have a lot of we do have a lot of people around us and have opinions and and we respect their opinions and and everything but initially it comes down to you fighting for what you know is right and the music that you want to create and that you want to put out there because it's kind of that you know um that deathbed scenario. It's like, if I die tomorrow, I want to make sure that I'm proud of what I put out. This last record in particularly, we didn't show anybody any demos whatsoever. Nobody on our team heard anything, which was very new to them. We freaked everybody out a little bit, (laughs) you know, but that was kind of our way of just kind of protecting what 
what we were creating and it ended up working out great in the end. But I remember it being a struggle to, to fight for yourself, you know, to fight and fight for the, your right to be yourself, sure. you know, in this industry where yes, everybody wants a hit. Yes. Everybody wants a crossover thing. Everybody wants this and that. All we really want to do is be able to play for the rest of our lives and keep this thing. Again, our goal has always been what's next, what's next. And it sure. turns out you never run out of dreams. So you just yeah. keep adding more stuff to the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, and that, that is unusual. So you, you guys didn't show any demos. Like, no. Did not, you pretty much just Which them? usually we, we always have. Yeah. You know, like in the many years we've been on the same label and management, everybody hears like every, you know, it's like, oh, hey, I have this like idea. This is the first draft. And everyone's like, oh, cool. I like that chorus. Blah, blah, blah. And So they're hearing like 40 things. And by the time they, you make yeah. it down to the record, they've heard all the They've heard all the things. And, you know, and not with every single song, but for the most part, you know, everyone's kind of involved from yeah. from the moment that you're like, hey, maybe we should start thinking about making a record to the end. With this record, it was interesting because we had written a bunch of songs and we had sent them in or whatever. And it was like, oh, yeah, they're great. But it, for us, it seemed like we were trying to do, you know, our first record times two. And here's something that we've done before. And it wasn't really inspiring. So we ended up throwing all of those songs away, mm. went into the studio with Nick Raskin-Linitz with almost nothing mm. but a few like ideas because we just write all the time so there's always sure. some ideas but we went in and day one kind of started from scratch so we were in a room literally the size of this room mm. set up our amps and just started jamming like every day Nick would be like all right who's got a riff who's mm. got an idea do you got a melody line something you know and we would start there and build up the songs but we were recording the songs as yeah. they were being written so there's this whole for me, there was this like human element that we hadn't really done before, but we were super nervous about showing anybody anything because by the time we would get it done, you'd have so many people in the pie and so many people yeah. giving you their their opinion of something that they're not involved in yet. So sure. we're like, okay, let's just wait till the end where we get it to where we want it and then we'll fly everybody out here. And it was very hard to keep everything from everybody because you'd get calls. You're like, you sure you can't just show me something? anything like no we're just we said we weren't and we don't have to so just hold on yeah you know and it just makes everyone nervous but like in the end you know we end up you end up like i said you fight for what you think is right and and work really hard to do it and and then no matter what happens like we could have made this record and and nobody could have cared and we still would like it and tour it on it and that's yeah. the bottom line with there and then but it's really it's a pleasant surprise that it's been doing well and we got nominated for a grammy for our first yeah, single and it's like it's cool i don't yeah. know with those moments like jesus guys we're still doing yeah. this it's neat so we were just at the grammys a few months ago and got to see you present <laughs> on the stage so i'm sure like those type of situations I just think in my mind, like you, you've you've played these stages opening up for Judas Priest, but like when you're presenting at the Grammys, mm -hmm. that's probably like a, it's like a, it's like a whole other level of nerve wracking. Oh, right? absolutely, because you know, yes, you're there representing your genre, but this is where all the cool kids hang out. Right, you know, it's totally. like an. And you didn't get into this because you were cool. You got into this because you weren't cool. So, um, so yeah, absolutely nerve wracking, and also like thinking about it this way, I can stand up in front of a crowd of 60,000 people and sing my songs. No right. problem. Yeah. Ask me to get up in front of a, a podium and you like on a stage, you know, it's like just speaking. Oh, so I was just one of those things where I'm like, just don't make a fool out of yourself. But, um, but hey, well, you, so did you did well, great. You did great. It was interesting because the <laughs> night before we went to the nominations party and yeah. everybody gets a medal because we're all five special. And, yeah. um, 
and they're uh, nice medals though. They're really nice medals. I think they were um, made by like. But everyone's like wearing them at this party, yeah. so we all like know who's known it. So I would go around and be like, "Hey, so what category?" And a couple people, I was like, "Oh, I'm presenting your category. I, I hope you win." And those people ended up winning that I had met. <laughs> so when they would come up, they're like, "Oh, I would get so excited because I'm like, wait, I, I know, I know you, you, yeah. you yeah. know." And then you're handing them this trophy, which like what I love about the pre-tell too is that. There's all these genres, these people that have been working their entire lives yeah, totally. for this. And so to hand them this and they look at you with this like shock, but yeah. also like tears. Yeah. Like yeah. you just can't help but be like, oh, congrats, man. Cool. Yeah, it's 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 so yeah, it was, it's a big it deal. Yeah, it's a big deal to be just to even be there in the first place and to be nominated. So I'd love to talk a little bit about I don't know if you you think of how much you think about this, and maybe you don't think about it at all, but like one of my personal missions in the music business is to empower women to have a bigger place in it. Uh, like, why do we not have more women producers? And why do we not have more women That's engineers true. and mixers? And, you know, you've got, you know, Sylvia Massey and some other people in the rock space, but largely it's a pretty male-dominated thing. In the rock space, that's that's really no exception. How have you gone about thinking about that or, or maybe overcoming that? I don't, I don't even know. Does um, that make sense? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Like, there's these, as far as... Personally, in my life, there's been these, like, three tiers of, like, in the beginning, I, I grew up in a household where, like, we didn't talk about the glass ceiling. It was always like, yeah, dude, absolutely. Anything that you, you want, you can totally do. And so my naivete actually ended up, I would use that as a weapon because you would go to these gigs and you'd be carrying in your guitar or your mm -hmm. instrument or whatever. I would always get this. I would be like, oh, man, my girlfriend never carries my equipment. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, and then they would go and see... And they would then see that I'm in the band and they see me play and they would go, oh, I'm so sorry. I just like assumed you were the girlfriend or somewhere because, you know, you don't see that. Yeah. So we ended up kind of using that to our advantage. And after a little while of that happening, uh, would start the show up just acapella with me because no one was expecting that. And so there's there's that aspect to it. Then when we started shopping to labels um, and we shopped to like everybody, we did so many showcases for whoever, you know, a lot of those labels aren't here anymore sure. but um but we would get told the same thing it's like okay we love what you do you guys are consistent you rock mm. but we don't know what to do with you because there's already a girl on this radio station and that's kind of the token you can't have more than one one girl yeah, yeah. and um and it's not really a thing right now it's not like an on on yeah. trend at the moment and and so then you you have that defiance and, uh, you know, where it's like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm going to do it anyway, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so that pushes you through to now there's this third tier that I'm in right now where I'm able to be on stage and literally look at these girls in the audience be like, yeah, I did this. That means that absolutely you can too. Like yeah. the, I want to be that North Star because – I had to kind of reach back to my parents' generation for a couple of my North Stars were like, okay, it's possible. Sure. You know, you, yeah. I think that it's, it's important as girls to push through. Like if you're a female, you want to be a female producer or engineer or lighting girl yeah. or, yeah. you know, front of house. You know, like I, we see a lot of them on the road, but I always think it's amazing the girls that push through all of that because – other girls really, I think that it's important for them to see that it's possible instead of there being like the difference with me was like, I, I grew up with a lot of dude bands. Like my dad introduced me to Black Sabbath and Alice sure. Cooper and Dio and Cinderella. I, I, I loved all the eighties bands. And, yeah. and then my mom was like, well, if you're going to get serious about this rock thing, like here, here's Hart and Janis Joplin and Pat Benatar. Yeah. And then something kind of switched as far as like, especially vocally with me. Cause I was singing a lot like 
Axl Rose or or I was trying to be Dio or whatever. And then when I heard Ann Wilson sing, I'm like, oh, I didn't know a girl could sound like that. Mm. That's awesome. So it just made that gap a little bit, you know, yeah. it's a little less far away, like, a, you know, a little easier to jump over, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm already a girl. This is cool. I could totally do this. So I, I, I love being on that other side of that now. And then especially at the moment, just in the times we're living in, what we've noticed in the crowd, as far as like girls in rock music, it used to be 60, 40, like male to female. Mm-hmm. And it's completely turned on its head. Cause I think that oh, girls wow. just want to rage right now, yeah, yeah. you know? So, um, <laughs> so it's been awesome to see these women just owning these heavier moments in, yeah. in hard rock. And you're kind of witnessing firsthand that music is absolutely genderless. There's yeah, no, totally. you know, there's, there's no right or wrong to it. It just, it's a matter of like, are, are you yeah. doing it or not? Right, right, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. That's so awesome. Well, th- thank you for sharing that. That's no that's awesome. As we're kind of rounding out the conversation, going back to this perfect formula for a band, part of that is fans. I mean, oh, yeah. that's that's what it's all it all comes back to. And what I love about rock and always have is it it, it has seems like the most loyal fans out of like any genre. Oh, absolutely. So how do you go about as a band thinking about like retaining your fans and expanding your existing fan base? We made the decision a long time ago because you can go either way. You can either have be the band with Mystique that doesn't ever talk to anybody and hardly does any interviews and there's that. That, that works for some band. And we did the absolute opposite. We consider ourselves extremely accessible and kind of go out of our way to to talk with people and and. Thank God for social media because that makes it really easy. You but, guys do your socials all yourself? Yeah, we do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, every couple of years, like somebody at the label will be like, hey, we can assign Janet on this. And it was like, no, no, because as soon as I start doing that, then I'm just going to be lost in the world. And so for better or worse, you're stuck with me. No, I, I, I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think four, that's, I think four in the morning, Lizzie, maybe don't take too seriously. But, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, check my timeline, make sure that's the right yeah, exactly. hours for brain. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think there's that we talk a lot about about not being an asshole like I know that sounds super simple but a lot of the gigs that we got early on and a lot of the relationships that we still have in the industry weren't necessarily based on the fact that we had a lot of talent there was the choice between okay well I can have this band play my venue that maybe they're worth a bunch of tickets, but I know they're going to trash the dressing room. They're going to ask for more money. They're going to leave their van in the alleyway that I said not to park in. Or I can have these hailstorm kids who I know maybe they don't draw as many tickets as this other band, but they're going to be super nice people and gracious and just have a good time on stage, you know? And uh, so I'm quoting this nearly directly from uh, a promoter that used to book us at the Croc Rock in Allentown, which was a place that we kind of like cut our teeth with is no longer anymore but he would you know put us in like opening up for some nationals and you know opening up for like pod or kitty at the time or and he recently told me that he's like you know what i booked you and i'm like because we were really good he's like no no not, not at all <laughs> <laughs> um no because you guys were nice and like and i'm like that's cool and he's like i hope you know that you probably ended up doing that to a lot of people coming up in the scene obviously we've worked really hard to be good musicians now too but i think that early on that was a huge point too and it's like it's just life is kind of too short to be an asshole and it's like it's just rock and roll it's really it's not don't take yourself too seriously I guess I, you know? I love that never underestimate the power of just what being a nice person yeah. can do. That's, uh, that's such good advice to leave people with 
I want to hear a little bit about your new song, Vicious, and the music video for that. We're going to actually do a little bit of a deep dive Uh (laughs) after the interview on planning a music video out, just because I'm fascinated by that. There's fight scenes in it. You obviously had to learn to do all that stuff. So if you're cool to dive into that, we're going to do that in our deep dive segment. Is that cool Absolutely. I'm totally down. Awesome. So (laughs) if people want to find out about that, they can just go to madeitmusic.com, go to the show notes, just search Lizzie Hale. You'll find it there. It'll be linked right there. But um, are you ready for the lightning round? I, I'm a little nervous, but yes, yes, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Diving headfirst in the Shark Tank. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna kill it. All right, let's jump in. Lightning round. Who is someone you haven't collaborated with that you would like to still? Mm, uh, Ann Wilson, actually, from Heart, because okay. that's one of my idols that I have yet to really do anything with. We've met before, but haven't collaborated yet. It's out there in the ether yes. now. <laughs> Favorite city to play. Uh, Flint, Michigan, actually, because of the machine shop. <laughs> okay. Only because of the machine shop. <laughs> All right. I love it. Most embarrassing stage moment. Oh, man. There was the first time we ever played Cleveland. So I grew up on Spinal Tap, right? So like love it. there's that scene, hello, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. You know, where's the stage? <laughs> so I had built this up in my mind. First time we play Cleveland, I get to do the Spinal Tap moment. And I open my mouth and I say Chicago. And the entire crowd just started booing. It was like, yeah, oh, I, I messed it up. I can never get that moment again. Well, you do 250 shows a year. I mean, that, you have to have done that more than that once. If you've I, only done it once, I, then... I, technically, I've only really done it once. I have, however, completely forgotten where I am. And then just <laughs> don't say the city. You're just kind of like, Hello, Nebraska. all of you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I love that. Hey, well, you got a pretty good track record for that then. <laughs> yeah, right. <Good>. Um <laughs> Strangest sound that you guys have ever put on a record? Oh, there's two of them, actually, real quick. Both on the last record on Vicious. Uh, one is scissors as a percussion instrument on uh, Heart of Novocaine. Like and literally recorded literally scissors? Literally recorded. In it. They were like these rusty scissors that we found, and this is one of our producer's ideas. He's like, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, hear that? That'd be great on a song. And so like the song we were working on, he's like, let me just try it. So he literally, for like... Three minutes is just. So it's like it, a shaker sound. It's like almost? A, yeah, it's like a percussive. Like it, it's very strange because it doesn't sound like a shaker, but it does that kind of same kind of slide. Can you hear? Where is it in the song? Um, can we, can in, we hear it? Or you can hear it mostly at the because we brought it up in the last uh, chorus of okay. Heart of Novocaine. Okay, those are scissors, not actual percussion. We got to listen to that. Um, That's awesome. Then there's one more thing. It's it's called the Astral Whip. Have you heard of this? No. It basically, it looks like a vacuum cleaner hose and it, you plug it into a pedal and the more you whip it around, the higher, like, like the harder, the harder you whip it, the higher the pitch. So we put it in, it's only there for a moment in our uh, single uncomfortable right before the second chorus. It's just, if you hear something that sounds like a Wookiee, just like <laughs> thing, that's it. Yeah, but like, I don't know why. We're just like, yeah, that's, that's part of the beauty of being in the studio. Yeah. It's like, just sure, let's try it. We can always erase it, totally. but let's try it. Yeah, I, I love doing weird stuff. That's like one of my favorite things as a songwriter producer. Lizzie, anything you want to leave the audience with? Anything you're working on that you're really excited about? Um, honestly, you know, if I can just kind of issue a mass thank you to not just you guys and like just providing outlet to talk about music but to all the people that have enabled us to do what we love every single day it's like it's seriously it still blows my mind and 
we just got back from Japan. We did this run. It was uh, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and just got to experience so many cool things. And I don't know. I think that the bottom line is that it kind of takes a village, I guess, to yeah. raise a band. It's not just about us and being goofballs on stage and and pummeling through with our music thing. It's it's everybody. We're all in this thing together. So I appreciate you guys enabling me to live my dream. It's cool. It's awesome. Social media. What's the handle? Oh, there? So yeah. Can, well, like, um, for me personally, I'm just at Lizzie Hale on Twitter. I'm official Lizzie Hale on Instagram. Through that, you can find other things with me. Snapchat, I don't recommend, but <laughs> <laughs> I am Lizzie Hale on that too. Uh, or hailstormrocks.com. Cool. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, we're, if you Google Hailstorm, H-A-L-E, Storm, you can find just about everything. If you want to laugh, Google Hailstorm 1999. You can see the rotating drum kit and Amazing. me with a keytar. I, yeah. I, I'm going to look good that three, up. Good 3 a.m. fodder right there. <laughs> we'll link, if it's on YouTube, we'll put it in the show notes. And we'll link, Perfect. link to it so people can see it. Lizzie, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. No, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us on this episode. As Seth mentioned, we're doing something brand new for this season, and we're calling them Deep Dives. Every episode of season two will feature a deep dive, and that deep dive will take you deeper into some sort of topic with a guest. Sometimes these deep dives will feature some amazing practical advice, and sometimes they might just cover something you absolutely never expected. The best part is these deep dives are available to you completely free. As Seth said in the episode, this first deep dive is with Lizzie, and they talk about how to plan for a music video, and specifically, Lizzie reveals what she had to do to prepare for some of the fight scenes in their latest video for their new song, Vicious. So if you want to check out that exclusive content, go to madeitinmusic.com, that's madeitinmusic.com, and right there on the homepage, you'll see how you can access the deep dive. You can also access the show notes for this episode at madeitinmusic.com slash 128, and you'll also be able to access Lizzie's deep dive from there, as well as other notes and resources related to this episode. Okay, one more new surprise with season two. You guys asked for it, we delivered. We're gonna go ahead and outro this episode with some music. So go ahead and enjoy this clip of Hailstorm's new song, Chemicals. Yeah. 